going on, guys? Welcome into today's show. Today, we're going to do a little wise investor segment called Invest or Pass. I figured best way to learn is to get into deals, is to get under the hood of opportunities, is to get inside the mindset of an investor that is in the trenches and actually doing these things. And the best way I have learned is by being in pro formas and spreadsheets and conversations and due diligence with people that are actually doing it. I mean, you can only learn so much from a presentation, a podcast, you know, YouTube video. And while these things are great for pouring the foundation, it's the real application and the action that helps you gain clarity and confidence and ultimately allows you to connect the dots to where you feel like you understand the board game that you're playing or the ecosystem that you're navigating in. And so today I figured I would share with you guys a deal that I just went into contract on. I am starting to begin my due diligence. And this is a 90,000 square foot building in a very small town in Oklahoma. And while it looks like it is going to be a home run, potentially even a grand slam opportunity, that's not always the way these things turn out to be. And I figured I would give you guys a little bit of perspective on how I am attacking this deal. So all I ask is if you enjoy the show, if you get any value from any of the topics, any of the content that we discuss and bring here on the Millionaire Mindcast, please do leave a review. That's all I ask. Take 60 seconds, leave a review. If this helps you sharpen your own financial tools in your toolkit, if it helps give you a little bit of confidence, it helps give you a little bit of clarity moving forward, all I ask, 60 seconds, leave a review. All right, so now that we got that out of the way, I am going into contract on at least what looks like on paper a home run deal. But that's not always the case. And as a real estate investor, you always want to mitigate your risk as best as you possibly can. And also, based on the asset type, based on the market, the location, the demographics, the trends in that market, and ultimately the variables of the investment itself, you really have to look at all the different scenarios and base your offer and negotiate accordingly to ensure that you're getting as much potential upside while minimizing as much of the potential risk and downside, right? So this one has the potential to be a grand slam, but the fact that there is a lot of work on this deal that needs to get done, there's a lot of capital investment that needs to get done, and some of the variables that I'm going to share with you here in a second, it creates a scenario where we really have to dig in on our due diligence and feel confident in the plan, the ability to execute on the plan, the ability to actualize what the potential of this property can become. And while you can make numbers look good on a spreadsheet, when the rubber meets the road and the dollars get invested and the time and the energy and all of the work that needs to go into bringing this pro forma, these pretty numbers on a spreadsheet to life in real time, there's a big gap between people's ability to execute and actually do that. Now, one of the reasons why I will say I've had the success that I've had 
in doing this time and time again, whether it was on my hotels, whether it was on other commercial assets, is I am an active investor that has built up a great team of people that are way smarter and more capable than I am. And collectively, all of us working in concert together with a clear plan on a specific asset and our ability to execute and get in and operate, we are world-class. That's how I've been able to get above average returns on every investment that I've done for myself and my investors when I'm in the driver's seat. Now, that being said, not everybody has the desire or the capacity to be an active real estate investor or operator. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like building a bigger pipeline with real customers customers, leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this Deep Sales, and LinkedIn has built the first Deep Sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. So if you're a passive investor, then take this as an opportunity to think about through the lens and perspective of the potential person or group that you're maybe going to invest with as a passive investor to think about some of the things that they should be thinking about, that they should be working through, that they should be doing due diligence on when it comes to making an investment and determining whether it's something you feel confident in that group in that plan, and particularly that asset to get you the return as a passive investor. Now, if you're an active investor, right, these are things that we're working through to make sure that, one, my capital is being protected and stewarded accordingly. And if I'm going to raise any capital on this deal, that we have left no stone unturned to ensure that if we're going to bring in other investors and steward their money and be a fiduciary to their capital, I better feel very confident, very capable of ensuring that we're going to protect and grow the investment and the capacity we say we're going to do, right? Your reputation depends on it. So let me share some of the pros and cons with you before we really start digging into all the due diligence. And just so you guys know, I'm going to keep you guys included on this journey as I share more about what we're uncovering, what we're learning, what I'm deciding to do, whether it's moving forward, it's cut and bait, it's renegotiating, whatever it may be, I want to use this as a great opportunity because I think with where we're at in the market cycle and the fact that it's hard to find good deals with good yields and good upside, this is a perfect scenario of kind of the needles in the haystack we look for. 
But just because you find a needle in the haystack doesn't mean it always looks and ends up being what it is in the end versus what you saw in the beginning. So that's our job to go through and make sure that we do all the necessary due diligence to ensure that before any money goes hard, right, that we feel confident in our plan and our process going forward. So on the pro side, there's a lot. There are a lot of great pros about this particular property. It is a 90,000 square foot building. That is a really big building. And I am getting this building at a purchase price of right around a million dollars. After them marketing it close to $3 million for quite some time, there's not many buyers that were interested in this asset, in this market, and maybe for good reason. But they had to market it at $3 million. I offered them an extremely low number. And they, due to their motivation in inheriting this property from their parents after they had passed away and being, you know, very passive and or really they're just not real estate investors or experienced in that world. They just want out of it. They want to get their money and be done with it. So that is an extremely low price per square foot. When you think about the replacement cost, if we had to tear this building down and rebuild another 90,000 square feet similar to it, it's going to be a lot more expensive than $15 a square foot. So we have a very good insulated price per square foot, which is low for the market as well. Now, it is also 60% occupied. So there's some cash flow tied to it, but there's some upside for additional income to be captured when we lease up those vacant spaces, which is obviously going to increase the cash flow in the asset. But it's also going to increase as we tie more and secure more income through strong leases to this asset, the value of the asset as well. It has month to month leases, which are all very below market which is great from a perspective of we can have the opportunity to restructure, renegotiate leases, get them closer to market rate, can also work in potentially CAM fees and different charges for the common areas to be worked into those lease structures, which is something that's very common in commercial real estate. So those are potential opportunities to capitalize on more income as well. It is an extremely mismanaged and poorly maintained asset which gives us the ability to improve the facade, the condition, which is going to make, obviously, the businesses feel better about operating out of this space, as well as the patrons who are going to be patronizing those businesses. So there's some potential to improve the asset there. I'm going in to mitigate my risk as best that I possibly can going in right away. This ultimately, with the current income that sits today on this asset, it is a very high cap rate. I'm purchasing this based on its current income at about a 15% cap rate. And an easy way to explain that is if I paid all cash of a million dollars on this asset and I left the income the way it was today, I would yield 15% on my cash, which is phenomenal. But when you're in some of these tertiary and secondary and smaller markets that have a little bit more risk layered into them and associated with them because you don't have as big of a buyer pool or tenant demand right? Those are things where you want to see a higher cash yield than, say, in some of the other markets that are much more stabilized, core markets, right? Cap rates are going to be a lot lower because they're going to be more stabilized assets with less risk associated with them. So this one, at least I'm going in with a high cap rate potential with obviously all the upside that we just talked about potentially being captured as well, which would drive that up even higher. Now, there's some interesting parts of this property that 
One, this particular area has incentives through the county to provide tax credits for gentrification and improvement and investment into this particular area. It also has two what we call out parcels. There's the main retail strip center, and then there are two restaurant buildings. One's a pharmacy and one's run as a restaurant that are separate, but they're still on the same parcel. Those can be remapped to be their own parcels, and I can sell off those potential parcels by themselves, which gives me the ability, if I sell those, to lower my basis into the overall investment. I've seen uh, certain friends and mentors do this where they'll outparcel certain properties and they'll sell those for the equivalent of what they bought the main building or the whole parcel for. And now they're keeping basically part of the building free and clear for themselves because they sold off some other components, essentially eliminating all the risk in that investment. So this one has two potential buildings that could become out parcels, which I could sell off which would then lower my basis into the overall investment, right? Let's say I bought it for a million bucks and I could sell each of those parcels for, you know, 250,000 or 300,000. Well, now all of a sudden I get 600K back. I only have 400K left in this deal. What if I could sell each of those for 500 each? And all of a sudden I sold those two off and the entire property that I bought for a million, now I own the big retail strip center after selling those two little restaurant parcels off free and clear. So those are great opportunities potentially to explore, which we will in our due diligence to see how easy that is, what the price points of those potential out parcel assets might be. And then there's some other potential income that could be added to the property. There's some older storage units on the back of the property that aren't being used that could potentially be added back into the mix if we wanted to generate some more income from those. This potential site has the ability maybe for a cell tower on it as well. And guess what? Cell towers build the cell towers, they maintain the cell towers, they lease the land from you, and they pay you a fee. That is something that ultimately has zero operating expense or time management expense, and the income that's generated off of that just drops right to the bottom line, to pure profit, which again, the more income and net operating income that we increase all it does is add value to the overall asset. So there's some potential good options here to increase the value of the asset by increasing the income of the asset. The other side of it is one of my mentors, which is crazy, um, who I bought one of my first commercial buildings from, and I've bought a couple from him over the years. He moved out of California to this area of Oklahoma about four years ago, and he's about five minutes from this property is good relationships with contractors, with vendors, with the city, which again, those are all net positives when you're entering or thinking of entering or investing in a market that you may not have boots on the ground in or not as much experience in or not as much of a comfort level in, right? When you have a good quality team in the market, it gives you that ability and that confidence to really lean on them and do what is necessary as a part of your optimization plan without any resources, without any contacts in those markets. It's not impossible. It's just going to require a lot more time and energy to build trust, build traction in those particular areas of your team, right? So those are some of the pros. Now let's shift over to the cons. And mind you, if these pros were in a core market in an A location or a B location type of market, 
right? This would be an absolute no-brainer Grand Slam. But these potential cons that I'm going to share with you could potentially, could potentially make this deal not as desirable or more risky or misaligned with my investment values, which I'll share here in a quick second. So when it comes to the cons, cons are that, as I mentioned, it was a pro. This is also a con. It's extremely mismanaged and poorly maintained. So when you're coming in and you're having to kind of be the new sheriff in town and reset the table with all your tenants who are used to the bad habits of the old landlord, right, that could create some turnover. That could create some turbulence. Also, the fact that it's extremely mismanaged from a leasing and a tenant perspective, well, guess what? If they're neglecting their tenants and their leases, they're also neglecting the condition of the property. So this property has a significant amount of repair and could have too much repair that is required to actually have it make sense. So that's going to be a part of our due diligence is when I'm running, obviously, all of my property condition assessments, getting all of the quotes and the bids and the things that I think need to get done to this property to make sure that physically it is being improved to attract the right quality tenants, to make the patrons feel safe and comfortable and capable of coming to this complex all the time. There might be a significant amount of capital that needs to get invested into that. And it may be at a level that financially kills this model or doesn't make sense to park that much money into an asset in a market like this. And that leads me to con number two, which is it's a very small market in rural Oklahoma. So that means that there is a limited tenant pool. Overall, it means that there's less quality tenants to choose from. And sometimes that means that there's less quality community or patrons that are going to patronize this property. So you're not going to see many national tenants in this market. It's going to be, you know, your small mom and pop businesses, right? And your income and your asset value are tied to what? The strength of those businesses that are operating out of that asset, the strength of that community that has the ability to pay those businesses and patronize those businesses in order for them to be able to afford paying you rent to continue operating out of that asset. So when you're working in a really small market like that, it can be very restrictive and it can be very concerning, right? When certain demographics or trends aren't moving upward in the right direction and they've either plateaued or maybe even sometimes they're moving in the wrong direction. And that leads me to the next con, right? Which is the market trends aren't bad, but they're not great either. And if I'm being honest, the market demographics that I like to see in my personal buy box criteria of assets that I want to invest in, they have much stronger population growth trends. They have much stronger workforce housing. They have much stronger income and family household affordability. They've got a lot of the demographics that um, this market doesn't have. So that is a little bit of a concern. And the fact is, this location, do I really want that much money parked in rural Oklahoma? Do I really want to have to fly my butt out of rural Oklahoma every once in a while to check on this asset? Or are there better opportunities, less riskier opportunities? Maybe I don't get as much yield like a 15 or a 16 or a 17 or an 18 cap, but I have much more equity growth and upside. And that's another thing that comes back to you know, particular assets like this. I've been talking with a lot of mentors and friends, right? And people, because I always love to get feedback and input, poke holes, right? Where are my blind spots on this kind of stuff? And when you think about 
you know, these types of markets, the type of upside that I can force into an asset by increasing the income in, let's say, California is way more in terms of value creation in a place like California than a market like Oklahoma. I can get much higher cash flow and yield, but I'm not going to see as much upside or equity appreciation as I would in some of these other markets. So my model of buying, improving, forcing value into the asset and then selling in a few years, once it's stabilized and maybe interest rates drop down a little bit, there may not be that much yield to be captured. But it's one of those things where if you want longer-term cash flow and a much higher yield on your cash, then it could be a great opportunity and market. So depending on what the investing goals, if I, let's just say I was in my 70s and I wanted to park my money into an asset, hard asset, that I can get cost segregation, depreciation benefits from, I can get a high yield of cash flow on my dollars invested, and I'm not as worried about the massive upside appreciation. I just care about consistent cash flow. An asset in a market like this would make a ton of sense because it'll be a cash machine for a long period of time, but it won't be as something that I can tap the equity on and leverage this as a part of my optimize and buy up strategy like I do in some of my other assets. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. Whereas right now at 35 years old going, I want to be taking as much of my capital, infusing it into assets that yes, I can generate a good cash flow and yield on, but that I can also force a good chunk of equity growth and upside into, and then take that equity that I create and sell the asset and use that equity as a down payment into a larger asset. That's a much more 
conducive strategy that's aligned with the season I'm in of grinding, being active, not necessarily too worried about cash flow and more so about equity growth and a healthy level of cash flow along the way. Those are some of the things that I have to think about when I'm analyzing this deal and whether or not it actually aligns with my five-year vision, with my investment plan, with my goals, with my capital, with where I want to spend my time and energy, with my logistical ability to get out and be present in that market, right? So these are a lot of things that you want to think about. And oftentimes, the cons, like I'm mentioning right here, even though there's tons of healthy and arguably great pros to this asset, the cons might actually outweigh me moving forward on this particular asset. Now, what it's going to come down to, it's going to come down to my due diligence in understanding the property condition, what are the capital expenditures, right? The improvements that I'm going to have to invest into this asset to then be able to feel confident that I'm going to be able to rent it up and lease it up and get the income that I'm talking about getting on this particular property, right? Can I mitigate my cash into this deal by doing the out parceling? If I can, that might be something that makes me feel a little bit more confident about moving forward. If I can't, right, then that potential strategy is off the table. If I can't get a cell phone tower there, you know, then that potential income is off the table. If I can, holy cow, maybe this deal gets a whole lot sweeter, right? So this is where the initial due diligence and analysis comes into play. And then as we model these things out and go, okay, it checks a lot of these boxes. Let's put an offer in. Let's get into contract, which is where I'm at now. This is where the due diligence becomes extremely critical to ensure that what I think I see on this spreadsheet in pro forma is actually possible and is protecting my downside and, if anything, validating the plan and the upside that I want to do in order to create and make the returns that I'm looking for as an investor. So I figured I would share that with you guys just to give you an idea of this is actually outside of my normal buy box criteria. and yet. On paper, and with everything that I see theoretically that I can do, a good opportunity to lean in, explore, spend some time and money on in the due diligence process to validate whether or not it is that I want to move forward with this investment or not. But I would say I have to look at, you know, 100 to 150 deals to find anywhere close to something like this in today's current market. So when you find these outliers, right, it's important to lean into them. And this is all part of the process, is to get in the trenches, is to roll up your sleeves, is to start doing the work, and ultimately determine whether or not this is something that I want to put my capital, my team's energy behind, and take that risk and see if it's going to be an opportunity that could end up being a home run and a grand slam, or it's going to be one that I end up passing on, and for good reason. So hopefully that was uh, valuable. I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an insight into what I'm doing right now. You know, the Wise Investor Collective and our mastermind group, we've got a lot of commercial real estate investors that are starting to get active in looking for deals and finding deals to structure, finding deals in markets that align with their investing goals. And as we continue to drum up more opportunities, more leads, more deals to analyze, when you see these outliers, you have to lean into them. And there's going to be a lot of these great opportunities that continue to come down, trickle down the tree, but you got to be active and in the game, talking with brokers, right? Looking at deals, 
having conversation with sellers, touring properties, and ultimately, 99 aren't going to make sense. They're going to be market rate deals. We don't want those market rate deals. We want that one deal that stands out from the rest that has a high level of distress, whether that's in the ownership group, whether that's in the asset, whether that's ideally both, right? And their motivation is high and the price point and the opportunity is also opportunistic and aligns with what we know we can do as an investment group. So I will continue to keep you guys posted on where we land and end up on this deal. I think it'll be a great opportunity to learn. And especially if you're somebody that's looking at commercial real estate investing as an investment vehicle to go out and build wealth, generate cash flow, right? You've probably heard me talk about my 500K a year passive income plan by buying one commercial asset a year that nets you 50K and you do that one a year for a decade, you are on the path to unlocking a half a million dollars a year in passive income, let alone what the tax you know, benefits are going to be associated with owning that type of real estate, no matter what is also going to be you know, aligned with what the upside on the equity growth you're going to unlock by owning those assets. It's a very simple roadmap and plan. And that is what we focus on in the Wise Investor Collective. And those are the types of opportunities we're going to keep talking about and educating people about and showing and showcasing how simple it is to execute on unlocking that type of outcome for yourself. But of course, right, you got to be able to connect the dots and understand exactly how commercial real estate works, which is honestly way simpler than single family. But of course, you got to learn the game. You got to speak the language. You got to be willing to do some of the activities but it's not like you need to buy 10, 15 properties a year to unlock a certain level of cash flow. You can just buy one asset and you can be very much more passive and less time, energy, and capital intensive than a lot of single family projects and properties require you to be. So if that's of interest to you, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Don't forget to follow me on social media. I'm putting out a lot more content. Our content team is starting to get a lot more stuff out. We got some new videos that are gonna be rolling out. Um, the YouTube channel got taken down, I think at 10,000 subscribers or something like that. We're going to start getting videos back up there as well. And of course, want to add more value. You guys have heard me say this over and over again, doubling down on community content and ultimately collaboration is going to unlock more and more opportunity for people who feel aligned in that vein and that vertical. And that is commercial real estate and hospitality assets for me. So don't forget to reach out, connect, follow me, leave a review subscribe, and most importantly, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your March to a million and beyond. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll see you guys in next week's episode. Cheers.